welcome to the second podcast in our ESG and construction series, where we'll be discussing ESG in the context of the increasing use of modular construction. I'm Jonathan Spencer, a partner in the insurance and construction team here at Simmons. And today I'm joined by Andrew Shepard, Managing Director of Top Hat. Andrew, welcome to the podcast and thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks, Jonathan, and thanks for inviting me along. No problem. Okay, so do you want to kick off by saying a little bit more about Top Hats and explain for our listeners exactly what modular construction is? Yes, so um, thanks, Jonathan. So uh, modular construction is essentially building a house in a factory. So what we do at Top Hat is we build uh, 95% of a home within a controlled manufacturing environment using manufacturing techniques, ship completed modules to site, uh, and then install and bolt together completed homes. So the, the, the premise is very much that we're undertaking work in a controlled environment away from a messy, dirty, wet site, uh, doing that within a factory where we're able to put in processes and procedures and then delivering that, that to site. Uh, Top Hat as a business has been around now for four or five years. Um, we're owned by Goldman Sachs uh, and we are growing very, very quickly and about to start working on our second factory. Great, well, that's really good. And it does seem that modular construction appears to be gathering pace in the construction industry. I mean, it, uh, it sounds great that you're opening a, a second factory, but are you seeing uh, an increase in modular methods more generally in the market? And and if so, why, why do you think that is? We're seeing a demand for a different approach across the industry. So uh, this is not just across housing. I think this is across construction generally. Uh, when you start to look at the government agenda, there's a, there's a presumption in favour of offsite. Uh, so that's across prisons, schools, hospitals. Uh, we're seeing demand for housing. And, and all of this is born out of um, issues with uh, productivity on site. Uh, it's well known that productivity is a real issue in the construction industry with no improvements over many years. Uh, huge cost inflation. And, and a number of quality issues, quite frankly. And MMC, volumetric modular, it, it is one of many ways to help address some of those issues. Um, and when it comes to housing specifically, we, we, we're an industry that has delivered no more than 150 to 180,000 houses a year for uh, probably the best part of 40 years. And we're now talking about trying to increase that to 300,000. Well, we don't have double the number of bricklayers and double the number of tilers. So how we are going to be able to deliver that kind of demand without some, some seismic change and offsite is one of the ways that allows us to do that. No, that's really good. I mean, it's it's clearly making huge inroads in today's housing targets. And as you say, there's lots of uh, pros and advantages of, of modular construction, like you say, the quality, uh, the space in which you do it. Um, but just just keep in keeping with the sort of subject of this podcast and the ESG focus, particularly around the E, the environmental. Um, could you explain or describe to us, you know, what the key environmental advantages are of modular construction? Well, there, there should be a number. I mean, one of the first things is, is if you are starting to look at uh, modular construction and taking a manufacturing approach, actually what you should be able to do is significantly reduce waste, both on site and in the manufacturing process. So, for example, um, when we buy uh, boards for uh, inside lining of our houses, we don't actually cut those. So we have 2.5 metre floor to ceiling heights and we buy board that comes in at 2.5 metres. So there's zero waste around that process. And because you've got that repetition and because you've got that process you can significantly reduce waste 
hand in glove to that is because you've got that tolerance and that tightness, you actually are um, improving air tightness, for example, of houses. So uh, the air tightness of our houses is really, really good. And what that also means is that you are uh, creating less demand for things like heat because the heat that the house generates is being kept within the house itself. So uh, we've never put gas in a house. Um, we only use air source heat pumps and our houses are all electric. So when they're delivered on home, there's no emissions created from that from those homes in terms of uh, gas uh, being burnt on the site. The process is also almost completely dry, so we don't use any water in the manufacture of our homes. So again, we're not we're not creating wastewater. We're not putting water into buildings that ultimately needs to sweat out or, or go to waste. Um, when you start to look at manufacturing, you can also start to make decisions around the type of material used to build those homes. So we at Top Hat deliver very, very low carbon homes. Um, so the embodied carbon of our home is, is less than 127th of a traditionally built home. That's achieved by using smart material choices. So, for example, we use timber to build our houses, um, which are obviously very, very low carbon, and we plant more trees than we, we use so that that creates a sustainable uh, approach there also we we don't use bricks so uh, we've developed and created our own product which is a 3d printed brick system uh, and that also allows us to um, use a product that looks and feels like brick which is obviously important from a planning uh, perspective but with a fraction again of the embodied co2 so you can make whole life carbon decisions as part of the process. And in fact, when we started to look at this and, and looked at the whole life carbon of our homes, actually um, over a 61 year period, our home will emit less carbon than a traditionally built house will emit in, in the, the construction period. So you can make huge differences. And, and then finally, the, the, the last point is actually in terms of the amount of traffic moving to and from sites. So most of our staff live within a short travel distance of our factory and they travel there on a daily basis they can use public transport they can you know, use bicycles they can do it most people traveling to a construction site travel quite a lot longer distance and and the industry is renowned for long hours uh, people working away from home all of those kind of things actually so we create a, a socially sustainable product in terms of long-term careers people working closer to home better work-life balance but also it, it results in significantly fewer um, deliveries to site, um, which obviously creates fewer emissions. Yeah, yeah no, that's it's, it's amazing, you know, all of these benefits uh, of, of using the, the modern methods of construction. And just on that last point, you mentioned about less traffic on site. I have to say, I did see in the, in the recent article uh, you had in Property Week about an 83% less uh, traffic to construction sites stat there, um, which I think that was a waste and resources action program study. Um, and that, obviously that's saving tons of carbon um, that would otherwise be emitted in your, your traditional methods of construction. So, I mean, it's great to see inroads being made there as well. Um, so, you know, lots and lots of positives here. You know, we could go on and on, I think, um, but just to sort of bring it back into the sort of the risk and managing risks sort of side of the discussion, um, it would be quite interesting to hear about the challenges that you may face as a modular provider. For example, when I've previously advised on the subject or talked about it at events, uh, there is this you know, key point about getting your design right up front um, because it's clearly going to be very difficult to change something once the units have left the factory and they're on site. So it'd be great to hear a few more points about the challenges um, that you may face and perhaps how you manage those types of risk. 
Yeah, absolutely. You, you, you've really sort of um, identified one of the key challenges. And a lot of this is about the way people think about and address and, and understand um, the construction process. So one of the, the key areas here is understanding that decisions need to be made early. Uh, we, we order bathrooms, we order taps the same day that we are essentially given a construction contract, which is the same day that the groundwork starts on site. Uh, so that decision has to be made very, very early because they're delivered to a factory and we're installing bathrooms at the same time we're doing groundworks. Uh, so that's not what, what traditional customers are used to. They're used to making having a design review process and making decisions later in that process. So that's not particularly feasible. And actually, those changes are much more difficult to make once on site. Um, because once the product gets to site, we don't have teams of plumbers there to do the work because all the plumbing's done in the factory. So actually bringing someone onto site to do the plumbing is quite disruptive. The other aspect is obviously is the planning process. So um, if somebody has a site, they have planning process, it is really not feasible to try and um, change uh, an existing planning permission into uh, a modular process without actually changing the designs themselves. Um, to, to realize the benefits of, of volumetric MMC, to realize the benefits of offsite, you have to have it in your psyche from the outset. So as you're doing your initial planning work, as you're doing your initial design work, it is absolutely essential that you, that you are going in with the mindset that you're going to use a, a, an MMC type product. And Andrew, in terms of how that works contractually and, and practically, perhaps you could just explain a bit more about what the team and the process looks like to make sure you know you don't have any hiccups or issues with controlling other contractors or subcontractors who aren't part of the, the top hat process. So, uh, in term, I mean, from the outset, we've got 22 standard house types and seven different standard apartment types. Uh, we, we, we openly provide those to architects and we allow them to use them in developing the design. Obviously, it is in our benefits for planning application to have our house types on it. It really helps us in working that project through. So it, it goes without saying that we provide that work up front and we have our own in-house design team that can support architects or even do the work themselves to, to push that forward. Um, when it comes to delivery on site, quite often Top Hat works as principal contractor um, in control of the groundworks, in control of the overall site. Uh, so we'll appoint the design team, we'll appoint all of the key consultants and, and take that through as a single point of responsibility to the funder and the customer. Um, the, the other alternative is where um, we provide a supply and install service. So we come once the site hits the DPC damp, of course, and then we deliver our modules on top of that. Obviously, that creates an interface risk that the customer has to be able to manage um, and we'll work closely with them, them to do that. Um, I mean, from a contractual perspective, um, Jonathan, what we would typically have is the JCT design and build contract. Um, it's it's a fairly sensible contract that's well known and well understood. Um, there's a couple of changes we make to the payment processes to reflect the fact that there are materials off site. Um, but to all intents and purposes, it works well as a contract and is well understood. Sure, sure, sure. And, and, and in terms of inspection, uh, which is presumably a key area here, given what's happening much earlier on in the process and the, the traditional construction. Um, I would expect that would be mirrored then early on in the process, there'd be more inspection. I mean, it'd be useful to hear how that works in practice. Yes, yeah, so what we would do is we'd work with the approved inspector, the latent defects insurance company, so the build zones, the checkmates, the NHBCs in the world, and we would invite them into the factory from the outset. 
So our products are all stage five design details. So all the design details are available at the outset. All of the testing um, is already done. So we've done bar testing and, and various other uh, different testing and commissioning for the standard product. And we provide all of that detail right at the outset. So um, it gets a, a pre-approval at the design stage. As the project then moves into the groundworks and we're building the, the, the modules in the factory, quite often the approved inspector building control will come to the factory. They'll look at what we're doing, undertake those inspections. And you know, we, we have a real advantage because we can do inspection and we can do in testing long before um, a module is incorporated into the works. So we've got a number of stations in our factory where we can have hold points, we can look at quality, we can identify the issues, um, and we can address them well in advance of a product in the factory and coming to site. Great, okay. And just to sort of wrap things up, I've got one more sort of area to discuss. And we've we've obviously talked about <clears throat> the environmental <clears throat> advantages of modular construction. And I know that's been the particular focus of this podcast, but you and I have discussed previously the, the great things Top Hat are doing on the, the social responsibility side, the S&G part of ESG. So perhaps you could finish the podcast with a few, a few words on, on that topic, please. Yeah, I think this is something um, that modular can really, really help with. Um, so what, what we do is we create new jobs that don't exist in a sustainable environment. So we're, we're, we create sustainable jobs. Um, our, our first factory is in Derbyshire. So we create jobs in an area that wouldn't normally really benefit from jobs from building houses in the southeast or the southwest where there's the most demand. Um, so we're helping with levelling up. Uh, we're delivering new homes where new homes are really required and creating additional capacity. So we don't consider ourselves to be competing with the existing capacity. We actually create new capacity by bringing people into house building industry that actually have got no construction experience um, and actually don't consider themselves to really be working in the house building industry, but more in the manufacturing world. Um, we create jobs in areas where, where there's the most need. So we can create jobs in areas where there is demand for jobs. Um, and we can support local businesses in those areas. So it, it's creating a, a value industry, a sustainable industry um, that delivers sustainable homes um, that really genuinely address fuel poverty because they are affordable to heat um, and they're affordable to live in. Um, so there's a huge number of benefits that, that Modular can, can deliver. Uh, and the more we explore it, there's more more avenues to, to explore. So, for example, we can attract more people into the industry working in, in our environment um, who might not particularly want to work on a site, for example, because the site is remote, it's far from home, it's not the environment they like. So it may be that it creates a, um, an environment that is more open to a wider uh, part of the population who may not be attracted to construction, but may be more interested in working in a sustainable manufacturing business. That's really great to hear. And I'm sure this will continue as modular construction you know, continues to gather pace within the industry. Um, so thank you, Andrew, once again for joining us. And thank you to everyone that has tuned into this podcast. Um, the next podcast will actually be exploring a bit more on the S energy. So we'll, we'll be looking at more social and governance issues. And we'd be grateful if you could tune into that one as well. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs>